Welcome everyone to Sunday service. A special welcome to all our guests at the Expanding Light Retreat as well as the Meditation Retreat and anyone that's dropped in to be here with us. If any of you are new to Ananda and would like to explore more about Ananda, after service you're invited to go to the, the counter out in the foyer where we'll have someone there providing information. There's also printed information. And also if you'd like to um, join in lunch, it's across the meadow in the Expanding Light Retreat Dining Room. I'm Nayaswami Pranava, and this is Nayaswami Parvati. And together, today we have the guest speaker, Aaron, giving us our talk today. This reading is taken from Rays of the One Light, weekly commentaries on the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita. Today's topic is, Faith is a Call to Prayer. Prayer is a Call to Faith. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. In the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 7 and 21, we read, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Verily I say unto you, If you have faith, and doubt not, if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. In all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive. Paramhansa Yogananda showed by his own example that prayer is a power, provided we believe deeply in that power. When our thoughts and feelings are strongly focused and then united in growing awareness to the divine presence within, they can bring even, un they can bring even seemingly unrealistic wishes to fulfillment. When Paramahansa Yogananda was in charge of a school in Ranchi, India, he took the boys on occasional outings to the surrounding countryside. There was a waterfall not far away, he told Swami Kriyananda, where I took them sometimes. It was dangerous to cross there, but I would cry out to the boys, Do you believe in God? Yes, they would shout back enthusiastically. And so we always crossed in safety. Years later, after I'd gone to America, one of the teachers tried to do the same thing, but he lacked spiritual power. One of the boys slipped on a rock and was drowned. Thus, the master explained, belief alone is not enough. It must be united to one-pointed awareness, which leads to self-realization. The Bhagavad Gita in the sixth chapter underscores the necessity for such one-pointed concentration. Whenever the mind, fickle and restless, wanders off from its concentration, let the meditating yogi withdraw it resolutely, spurning every distraction, no matter how alluring, and bring it back again and again under the control of the self. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. start with a reading from Whispers from Eternity by Paramahansa Yogananda, number 67. The caravan of my prayers is moving toward thee. In the eyes of kindness, I behold glimmers of thy mercy. 
Even the bare trees of dark lives flicker with the myriad glowworms of thy shining life. The caravan of my prayers has been working its way slowly through dry wastes of arid doubts and furious sandstorms of despondency. Yet at last, far off glimpses of thy oasis of silent assurance have roused me in my drooping efforts. Eagerly I wait the moment when I can dip into thy revivifying water, my parched, thirsty lips of faith, and there drink deeply from thy well of bliss. Yogananda tells a story of a man who heard this passage from the Bible and decided, well, there's a mountain blocking my view. Let me give this a try. So he prays, let this mountain be removed and cast into the sea. And he goes to bed. And he wakes up the next morning with great enthusiasm, rushes to the window, and it hasn't moved an inch. And he shouts, I knew you'd still be there. <laughs> and Yogananda says, isn't this the faith of many of us? It's not really faith, it's just mere belief. And belief is an important stepping stone to faith, but it won't get us the whole way there. Because faith, as Swami Kriyananda said, is built on experience. I remember hearing that when I um, had been at Ananda maybe a year or two, and I was needing some faith, and people were counseling me, you know, well, faith is built on experience, and I just, I couldn't quite understand what that meant or what I was supposed to do with that, because what, I don't have any experience on the spiritual path yet, really, and so what am I supposed to do? <laughs> and it is an experience in the worldly sense, where we, uh, well, I've had this job, and so now I have some experience, and I can now go and do this. That's not really how faith works. It's an experience of God's presence that we get in meditation, that we get through our spiritual practices, that we get through right living from being in community. We have that experience of love, of joy, of peace, of calmness. Even just a little bit of that helps us just take that next step along the path. So faith is built on those experiences. But a lot of times we have that attitude of that man where we're just kind of stuck in our belief and uh, approaching God or approaching our prayer with this sense of, I know what I'm doing. I have the answers, right? Well, he said, um, be thou removed, so I'll just I'll say that, and then that's what will happen. And we pray that way sometimes. We make our plans, we make our plans first, and then we pray. <laughs> I recommend reversing that. <laughs> pray first, plan later. You know, there's that old joke, you know, how to make God laugh. Tell him your plans. So, um, you know, it's difficult to have faith when we think we have all the answers. I remember going through a time when um, I had lost one job, I wasn't sure what the next job was gonna be, and we all go through times like that in our lives where things are sort of unknown. And I was sharing with a friend of mine, and she said, when you don't know, that's when you're the closest to God. As soon as you think you know, 
you're in your ego. And that just stuck with me because there was so much truth in that. Right? Isn't that so? When you don't know, I mean, it's so hard to be in that place of not knowing, of being in the unknown. It's one of the hardest places to be. And yet, that's where God is. He knows. We don't need to know. We want to know. Our egos want to know. Our egos want to have it all figured out. We want to take all the credit. But the reality is, no, God's the one that knows. We have to put our faith in him, that he's going to guide us through. So I have the unique blessing of being a teacher at our school here, the Living Wisdom School, a great joy. And I teach second and third grade. I have a wonderful group of seven and eight-year-old boys that I spend my days with. And teaching has been a blessing because it keeps me in that place of I don't know. <laughs> I think <laughs> anyone who's um, had children or been around children even or taken care of children, you've had that experience of what are we doing? I don't know what's <laughs> going on. <laughs> and um, it's very humbling and it gives me no other choice but to rely on God. <laughs> it's, a, it's an interesting situation because there's this great sense of responsibility, you know, like I should have the answers, you know, like I'm the teacher, you know, you're supposed to know what you're doing. Um, the parents think you should know, and the kids are asking you all these questions, and the reality is so much of the time I don't really know, but I do have God with me always. And the more I do it, the more I realize I don't have to have all the answers for it to work out. It's very counterintuitive. I think most of us think mm, that doesn't really add up. And I think many of us have had experiences like that. You know, we might not all be teachers, but we've all been in, in situations where we think, oh my Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. What am I doing here? How can I do this? How can I be in this situation? How can I have this job? I don't know what I'm doing. How can I be in this relationship? How can I be a parent to this child? I don't know what I'm, you know, whatever it is. Um, we go through periods of our life where we just don't know. And I think just remembering that's, God's right there with you in that. He's not far, he's the one guiding you through. And I think more and more as we go through those experiences, we realize that it does all sort of work out. Not the way that we think, rarely the way that we think, <laughs> or maybe even the way that we hope or want, but always in the best possible way. Um, it leads us, those situations lead us to that realization that maybe there's something else at work. Maybe it's not just my effort and my ability and what I know, but maybe there's something bigger than myself. I don't think anyone would be here today if they hadn't had some experience that made them stop and think, there's got to be something more, right? Even just one moment of that can get you here and make you want to know, what else is there? So prayer and faith have that, um, they require that willingness to not have the answers, to not need to know it all. And in my classroom, I like to kind of cultivate that um, with something I call the wonder wall. So it's a little space on the wall in our classroom, and Whenever there's a question, which, again, if you spent any time with 
young children, there are many of those endless questions. And it can feel overwhelming. I actually had a parent meeting this week, and the parent said, he's just asking me all these questions, and I don't know what to say. <laughs> I don't know what to, you know, you can't keep up with them. And, I, and so I explained this, what we have in the classroom, this wonder wall. And it's just when a question comes up, not needing to answer it right away. You know, so a question comes up, um, you know, what if the plants were growing in space? Which way would the roots grow? Mm, you know. <laughs> it's just a science experiment. We were working with roots and things. Okay, that question comes up, which it seems like, okay, well, we could just look that up and find out the answer. But what if we just wonder about that? What if we just say, I wonder what would happen if the plants grew in space? Think about how much more expansive that is than just answering the question, closing the book, and moving on. Right? Because it leads to other questions and other wonderings. And so for me, it's been a really important lesson to just let the question be there and not need to answer it. Um, and it just creates so much more space for curiosity and for more questions and for more wondering. And isn't that the essence of prayer? Like, I wonder what could happen, you know? But we have to approach it with that attitude of curiosity and wonder. And if we get ourselves into trouble sometimes, um, we've heard this phrase in the Bible, ask, and it will be answered, seek and you'll find. And I think some of us may have lost our faith along the way, because we've heard this and things haven't really worked out, so what's going on, right? Um, but the reality is we don't always go in with that attitude of curiosity and receptivity. We don't always go in with the right attitude when we're asking or we're seeking, right? The other thing is we give up too soon. We ask once, it didn't get answered, you know, and then that's it, we give up on it. It's never gonna happen. Or we ask twice and then that's it, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> we think, well, I asked three times and, you know, I prayed about it for a whole week, you know, and we don't give it enough of a chance because it's divine timing. It's not on our schedule, you know. Um, or we're knocking on the wrong doors or we're seeking in the wrong places. We're thinking, oh, if I just get that new car or that perfect house, or if my child could just behave perfectly, or if I could have this relationship, right? We're seeking our happiness and things outside of ourselves, and we keep coming up empty. Great, because then we keep seeking. Don't give up, right? Go ahead, seek it. Try and get the perfect house, but then keep going, because that's not going to bring you eternal happiness. Sorry for those of you building houses here. <laughs> maybe, I don't know. I mean, I've never built a house, so maybe that is. <laughs> but we have that experience of God's presence in meditation, and we know that's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm seeking, right? So I have a student that has really taught me a lot about uh, these qualities that are required for true faith. He is just incredible in his desire to um, learn. And not just academic learning, like anything that we're doing, anything that's happening, he just really wants to know. And he's not 
um, held back by a sense of um, I'm not there yet. You know, so something as simple as you know we're working on proper hand washing, and you know most kids come into it with this attitude, yeah, I know, I know how to do it, and like how much can you really grow and learn when you have that attitude? You know, think about that in your own life, right? What do we approach with that attitude? Yeah, I know, I know what I'm doing. I'm supposed to pray and meditate and all that. Okay, yeah, 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 <laughs> right? But he has this attitude of like, how do I, okay, show me, right? Show me how to do it. I wanna, I wanna do it right, I wanna do it well. And so um, we were playing soccer and we had two teams and um, he was on a team against another player that has been playing soccer since he was a toddler and it was quite a uneven match. And um, I wasn't sure how it would go. And, and initially, his first complaint or thought was, but he's so much better than me. That's not fair. So I took him aside and I just said, well, how much more of an opportunity for you to get stronger, to play against someone that's better than you? How much more of an opportunity to grow? So he kind of took, took that in and we played for a while. And... Um, just kept trying to make a goal and missing and trying again and missing and trying again missing. Meanwhile, the other players got six goals. And I don't know, just take a moment and think what you might do in that situation. Haven't we had situations like that in our lives where we've tried and failed, tried and failed? And I was just so um, amazed by his attitude. It wasn't just, I'm gonna do it no matter what. It wasn't a grim determination. It was a joyful determination. It was, I want to be able to do this, and I can. And we were all, of course, cheering for him and kept supporting him, which was a big part of it, too. You know, so going in there with the right attitude, with this receptivity to learn, this willingness to learn, and not giving up, and knocking on the right door, surrounding yourself with people that can support you, that can believe in you when maybe you don't believe in yourself. You know, those are the really key um, factors for supporting our, our growing faith. So, what else can help us cultivate our faith? Because it's a seed. You know, it's a seed inside of it. It's not, it's not like it's something we either have or we don't have. Oh, that person has faith and that person doesn't have faith. It's, an, it's a part of our essence. It's a part of who we are. You know, we're faith beings, we're faith beings, you know? And that seed can be watered and it can be grown. So what can we do to help it to grow? Well, as a reading from the Bhagavad Gita says, concentration. Think about how essential concentration is to worldly success, right? If someone wants to achieve a goal, they have to pursue it single-mindedly. And we have these wonderful examples, especially our founder, Swami Kriyananda, who did so many things in life, which might not look like concentration, right? But what did he do everything with? Single-minded concentration on God, single-minded self-offering. His whole life was for God. So if we can live with that concentration Think about where we're investing our energy. We can build that magnetism that we need to accomplish anything. 
concentration is also our dedication to our meditation practices, which is really where our faith is built. Because as I was saying, faith is built on experience, but not worldly experience. Experience of God's presence within us. And where do we experience that? In stillness. So concentration, bringing that into a daily meditation practice. To really continue to give ourselves the opportunity to have that experience which carries us through, gives us the faith we need to face any test, any trial, whatever comes our way. Because faith isn't the certainty that things will work out, really. It isn't the certainty that I'll get what I want, which is hard, because we do want things. We want things to work out, but it is the certainty that God will be there, no matter what. And how do we remind ourselves? How do we, how do we put our faith in that? You know, Yogananda didn't come to say, you must do this and do that and do that. He said, try it, see what happens. We have to have our own experience. It's what we do in the school here too. It's experiential, right? Because that's the only way we're ever gonna learn. It's by having our own experience. We have to give ourselves that opportunity. Sit down in meditation once in a while. Another practice that fits in with concentration and I wanted to touch on it just because we're coming into this month of Thanksgiving, and the practice of gratitude, right? Because gratitude is focusing on what we're grateful for, right? It's a practice of concentration. Where are we putting our focus? What you focus on, you get more of, right? That's something I teach in my class. Are we gonna focus on people's faults or what we don't want? to be happening, or we're gonna focus on what we do wanna see, right? So cultivating that focus on the things that we're grateful for. And um, I had a teacher, a meditation teacher once before I came to Ananda, who was sharing, he was going through a difficult time, and he was home watching TV and Oprah came on. <laughs> and um, he, she had on some guests that was talking about you know, making a little book of gratitude, right? If you get a little book, put a little book of gratitude, and every day you write in it a few things that you're grateful for. So he said, oh, all right, I guess I could do that. So he gets his little book, little book of gratitude, he puts it by his bed, so every night he would open it up, so he, you know, the first night, well, I guess my bed, you know, and, you know, he's like really struggling <laughs> to think of things that he's grateful for. Which, you know, we've got, you know, I think some of us have been in that place where it's, I don't know, what can I be grateful for, you know? But just put out that effort. Just try, even if it's a little thing, okay? So he, so the first day, you know, he thinks of three things, okay, close the book. So he could, but he continued to do it day after day. And before you know it, he's writing pages and pages, this happened and this happened. And I've tried it myself, you know, just keep a little book by your altar or in your bedroom and just, three things that you're grateful for, three things that happened in the day. And it just shifts your focus, it shifts your concentration, right, to what, where is God in my life, right? It shows you those, those places where the light is. No matter what's happening, it's been really helpful for me 
when I'm going through a time where it just seems like, wow, nothing is working out the way I think. I don't know what's coming next, but I can be grateful. I can practice gratitude. It's such a simple thing, but it's so powerful. And I think for most of us, the hardest thing about faith is that it's not logical. It's not reasonable. <laughs> um, especially for the, those of us who are raised here in America. You know, we want things to be efficient and logical and, you know, just kind of make sense and be practical. And faith is sort of the opposite of all of that in a lot of ways. <laughs> um, there's a lot of wonderful examples in Yogananda's autobiography of a yogi. Um, one that I picked out was uh, receiving his high school diploma. And especially as a teacher, you, <laughs> you want to put a little bit of faith in what we're doing as teachers, and the process of education has its, you know, has, is important. Um, but Yogananda, I'll skip to the end and then I'll go back, but you know, he ends the story saying um, that uh, divine meditation among the cadavers is a shortcut to a high school diploma. So <laughs> for a time, while he was supposed to be, you know, studying and in high school, he was going down to the crematory grounds and meditating. And then all of a sudden, it was time for the exams at the end of high school. And, oops, he hasn't really been there, so how's he going to pass? But he has perfect faith that God will find a way. He doesn't even know what it will be, but he has perfect faith that God will find some way for him to pass his exams. So he's walking along and he bumps into a friend of his who says, oh, where have you been? And he's, oh, funny, you should ask. I could use some help. I'm having this issue. I haven't been there. I need to... And the friend helps him to study and gives him all the information he needs, except for one thing. They left out... Um, they ran out of time for the Sanskrit. And um, so <laughs> Yogananda jokes. He says, I reminded God of the, of the uh, uh, oversight and continued... <laughs> <laughs> Just, you have to appreciate that childlike faith. My goodness. Um, so I reminded God of the oversight. So he's walking, and he goes through a corner lot, and he sees these papers blowing around. And he grabs one, and lo and behold, it's a Sanskrit verse. So he runs to find a scholar to help him interpret it. And the scholar says, you know, that's, there's no way that's going to help you on your exam. But if it weren't exactly the verses he needed to pass his exams. And, you know, the story ends. He gets his high school diploma by the grace of God. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's incredible. It's incredible. And the, the book is filled with story after story like that, you know, of those experiences. Um, but I think it's hard for a lot of us because we get in these situations and we think, there's no logical way for this to work out. I mean, look at the history of Ananda. You know, if anybody's reading that beautiful book by Asha, Lightbearer, it's, again, story after story of, and then we didn't have the money, and then suddenly it came to us, or, and then this burned down and we rebuilt it. I mean, it's just story after story of things working out beyond all logic, beyond all reason, because of the presence of God, because of faith in God. Because of putting God first, that concentration 
right? that focus, that single-minded mo- single focus on the presence of God in every circumstance, every circumstance. So there's one last story I wanted to share of um, a disciple of Swami Shankaracharya. They were standing, the guru was standing on one side of the river and the disciple was on the other bank. And Swami Shankaracharya said, come here. And without thinking, without hesitating a moment, the, the disciple stepped onto the water and a lotus leaf rose up underneath his feet. And he took the next step and another leaf and another until he had crossed the river. And he bowed down at the feet of his master. If he had stopped to think, but you're so far away, how could I do it? He didn't stop for a moment. He didn't let reason or logic or anything in. Just that devotion, just that love, that single-minded, single-pointed love for God and Guru, putting all our trust, all our faith, one step at a time. We can't presume on our faith. We can't say that we'll be able to leap across the river in a single bound. But we can take one step. We can take one step at a time and know that the Guru will be there. So before I end, just to say, never give up. That's the most important thing. And um, Bhagavati's gonna share a beautiful song, Keep Calling Him. And I think just taking that to heart, that ask and you will receive. Ask with an open heart. Seek God and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened.
shall wash thy feet of silence with the waters of my tears. The altar of my soul will be empty till thou comest. I'll wait for thee. Keep going. 